Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to a special Detroit Pistons podcast for one episode only and maybe more in the future. The Pistons Pulse is joined at the mics by Pistons Talk. This is co-hosted by me, Bryce Simon of Motor City Hoops, a former D1 Hooper, current teacher, husband, and father of three amazing kids. And I'm Amari Sanko for the second Pistons beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. What's up, Pistons Pulse fans? I'm Lance Caparossi, one of the co-hosts of the Pistons Talk podcast. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts and find me on Twitter at Lance Caparossi. I'm the man behind Pistons Talk, Anthony, as you guys know. I'm just so excited to be collaborating with the Pistons Pulse podcast. So thanks for having both of us on. We do really appreciate it. No, it's awesome having you guys. We're excited about this. Anthony, you've reached out. I know all of us have interacted and talked and, you know, you guys do a great podcast. I feel like we have a good one over here. So as you told me, Anthony, it was time for this to happen. Some cross collaboration here. Before we get going, I want to shout out Wes, always our producer behind the scenes doing his thing. But there's four of us. We all want to get our thoughts in around this Pistons team. So we got to get right into it. The Pistons have played 11 games in 19 days to start the season. They're currently on an eight-game losing streak. They lost the past three, the Bucks by two, the Sixers by eight, the Bulls by 11. They have guys, the Hawks, the Cavs, the Raptors, the Nuggets, and the Pacers coming up. The schedule does not get any easier. Omari, I'll start with you, my guy. Where are you at with this team right now as things are struggling and a little bit rough? Yeah, I mean... It's been rough, obviously. Anytime you lose eight straight, then we're 11 games into the season, 12 tomorrow with Atlanta. That's a lot of losing early in the season. So definitely understand why fans are frustrated. And, you know, it seems like there's a lack of progress. I think where I'm at is it's really hard to evaluate this team when they've been without between five and seven guys for roughly half of their game so far. They started off pretty strong, and then J.D. gets hurt. And ever since that ankle, he's just been not his usual self. Now they've shut him down to heal, and you just don't know how long that's going to be. So that's tough. A lot of your first spacers are hurt, all your 40% shooters pretty much. So there's just been a lot of, you know, I don't know what the right word is, just a lot of turbulence early in the year. You know, it's hard to predict the amount of injuries that they've had, and I think it's tough to... Even evaluate Monty at this point. Like, I talked to him today about going five out. Like, you have Kevin Knox. Okay, you push Isaiah to the five more, and he agreed. But they couldn't even do that just because of the the roster makeup, you know, going with two bigs and whatnot. So there's just a lot, I think, that's, like, to be determined with this team. And they've also coughed up a couple of wins. Like, I don't want to let the team completely off the hook. But I think along with that, it's just, when you have a team that's this injured, it's tough to really make any big conclusions. So I want to see how they look at a, a month once they hopefully get a couple of guys back. Siren says it's starting to feel like a support group. Yeah, we're all here. We're here to <laughs> hopefully bring some positivity, but it's going to be unvi- like we're going to be real. Anthony, where are you at with this team right now? And even give a little bit, what were your expectations with this team coming in? And then especially with the injuries they've had to deal with. Like if the team was fully healthy, I thought it may be a play in. Like I thought that should should have been the goal, like low 30s, maybe like 32 to 35 wins. That's kind of where I was at, like in the summer. But Obviously, you know, we, we get all these injuries to start the season, you know, Boyan, Monte Morris, Isaiah Livers. And it seemed like as the weeks went on, the injury report got longer. It kind of felt like, wow, like we're like midseason form over here with all the injuries. But kind of my takeaway so far the season is every game I've watched, whether it was the Bucks game, the Sixers game or the Bulls game, they're finding new ways to lose. It seems like every game, like the Sixers game, I thought they played great in the first half. And come out, coming out of the second half, like the energy was gone. The Bucks game, I thought in the fourth quarter, the officiating was bad, but I, I'm not going to get into that. I thought they, they played pretty well, but Marcus Sasser was the, the guy that was really hot and they kind of went away from him. Didn't understand that, but I get it. They're young. In the Bulls game last night, it's just, there was just no effort on the defensive end. Like they were scoring, trying to get back in the game, but they just could not make a stop. So that's what I was kind of saying. Like, they're just finding new ways to lose. And I get it when you're a young team 
you're going to have inconsistencies um, with a roster being so damn young. Lance, where are you at? Like, are, are bring a life of breath of optimism to the fan base right now that really, really needs it. Or if you don't want to, you don't have to. It's up to you. Yeah, I was going to say, I am not the person for optimism <laughs> right at this moment. I'm, I don't know. I'm a little depressed at how bad they're playing. It kind of sucks. I mean, I, I guess I didn't have them having that many wins at the beginning of the season. I think I said they would get, they'd go six and 14 in their first 20 games. I think that's what I said. I still think. They're a 28 to 32 win team. I think there's going to be a major improvement coming once everybody gets healthy. I know everybody hates us saying that when this team gets healthy, then you'll really see this team perform. And I, that's just what I have to believe. I think Monty will right the ship when guys come back. The rotation will be a little bit different. But again, I am just a little depressed. I guess my personal expectations were a little too high for the Pistons. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I, I have so much optimism going into the season and I hate that my feelings are starting to be different than they were at the beginning of the year. I don't really have much more to say other than that, though. No, I mean, it was good to be optimistic. I think that's what every offseason is for. And then it's it's frustrating because of fans. We've almost seen this every single year. And Amari, you've covered this every single year now where it's just injuries pile up. We We never feel like we've got to see the full iteration of what the team was supposed to be. Even Cade last year, we didn't get to see it. And then we thought we were going to get to see it this year with some veterans, with some shooting, and none of that stuff is there. On top of Coach Williams, whether we agree with it or not, has decided to do some roster things that we didn't foresee coming with Ivy off the bench and Hayes in the starting lineup. So do you think this thing starts to come together a little bit, Omari, and just in terms of not just the health, but maybe guys kind of figuring things out also? Yeah, I mean, I always felt that this team would probably start slow and finish strong, just looking at the schedule. I mean, last week was going to be tough, even fully healthy when you're playing, uh, you know, four playoff teams, many of whom would probably be contending by the end of the year. And I mean, they they played pretty well in all four games, honestly. So, you know, I think when you see how well they played, where I think they led by double digits in two of those games, they led Chicago by double digits as well. That tells you that even despite the injuries, this team can compete and whether they're just kind of falling apart in second halves because of fatigue. I mean, they have had one of the crazier schedules in the NBA. They've played 11 games. There are teams that haven't played 10 yet. They've had a, a few back-to-backs. Like, you do factor those things in. But overall, I just felt like this team was going to get better as the year went on. I figured it would take some time for things to click. And I still feel that way. I mean, obviously, now there's nowhere to go but up. I mean, you know, you can't get worse than where they are now. But you get bogey back, you get some of these guys back. Some of the losses to me are just, you know, the guys kind of lose their verve a little bit and then it takes a minute for them to kind of snap back in. And even just having a Monte Morris who can just kind of like, hey, everybody settle down, like this regroup and whatnot can help a lot. So just they're missing a lot of key elements, I think, that would make this team work. And, you know, soon when they do get healthier, I really do think by January we can start to see the gears turning a little bit. So I thought they would be between 28 and 32. I still think they can get there, even with the soft start. But obviously, that's going to be more of an uphill climb now that you're in this hole. Anthony, do you agree? Do you think as this team starts to get healthy? I know, I uh, listen, I understand why the fan base doesn't want to hear this. I Anybody who's like, no, I don't want to hear that anymore, I get it. I understand it. But do you think as the team gets healthy? Because... I was looking through the stats today and I'm going to rattle off some here in a second and see what you guys think. They're really looking for a number two score right now. There's not that guy there. Asar is the second guy in field goal attempts. Killian is third. So the second guy in field goal attempts isn't there. Do you think as Boyan, Monte Morris, we talked about being a good second unit point guard. Do you think this thing will start to turn around and look better and more positive? I, I do because when you get a guy like Monte Morris, like Omari said, he can kind of calm things down. I think... Whether you want to experiment and throw him next to Cade to lower the turnovers down or have him off the bench, I think you kind of have that flexibility if Monty Williams wants to do that. You know, adding a Boyan Bogdanovich who arguably is your best three-point shooter on the team, and that's 20 points a game right there that you're missing, you're not going to have to have Cade shooting 25 times a night. Like, I, I just don't think that's what Cade is comfortable with doing. I think Cade, you give him like 12 to 15 shots a night and just kind of share that wealth with the other teammates and get him some legitimate floor spacing out there. I think the offense would look a hell of a lot better. Like nothing against Killian or Asar, 
they're just not the floor spacers that Gate needs to be effective, in my personal opinion right now. Lance, do you think Boyan is kind of, I don't want to say the answer, but do you think he's kind of the linchpin here that this team is missing? Or do you think it goes beyond that? I think he's a huge piece. Obviously, that's easy to say. I'm looking at their schedule and there's just some of these games that they lost where they're within like eight, nine, maybe even in 10 points. Boyan, Monte Morris, both could help. Even having Jaden Ivy, if he hadn't been, you know, out on the sidelines being sick, you know, that's another guy that can put a lot of rim pressure on. He can score the ball as well, even if it is in only 20 minutes a night. Just guys like that stepping up. But I do think Boyan is a big catalyst to this team. And he is really being missed, not just for spacing the floor, but for another guy that can put the ball on the floor, create his own shot, and pretty much get it off on any defender that is defending him in a game. That is hugely missed by this team. Just another guy that can fill it up offensively, guy that can go out and just get you a bucket. That is what they need. That's what Bojan provides. So let's stay on this and let's transition that into some conversations around individual players. And some of this may go a little more positive. Some may swing a little more negative. YouTube user, again, always appreciate you tuning into these lives. Cade usage is way too high, way too much weight on his shoulders right now. He needs a second score on the floor with him at all times. Anthony, you alluded to this a little bit. Omari, where are you at with this? I know we all think Cade is a face of the franchise type player, those type of things, but is it just too much? Is there too much of a shoulder for him right now? Too much of a load to carry on his shoulders right now? Yeah, I mean, you could just look at last night's game against the Bulls where they pretty much just hone in on him and they're not even worried about everybody else, right? It's just like stop Cade and, you know, and that's just kind of how it goes, right? Like you think about a running back with a poor offensive line and that's kind of how what I think when I see Cade now, like you could be talented, but if you have three or four guys on you every single possession, you're just not going to have too much room to operate, especially when you're not, you know, the, the type of athlete that could just kind of blow past people and kind of create something out of nothing. So, you know, I can't really let K completely off of the hook, you know, just with the turnovers and everything else. Like, he's contributed to that, but he's has not had an easy life so far this season. Like, the games where he's had space to operate, he's been good. You know, the games where the defense is just, let's just collapse on him and make his life miserable. You know, he's not been good, and there's been a pretty clear correlation there. You know, and in the starting lineup, like, you really only have, he and Isaiah are really the only shooters in that lineup and that probably hasn't helped either so Anthony where are you at with Cade and what you've seen from him kind of the usage he's had to take and I've been a little bit more critical I tend to put a little bit more on his shoulders maybe than some others is there any part of Cade's game where you like you think he needs to take a little bit or shoulder a little bit more of the quote-unquote blame for some of the inefficiency I don't want to call it so much blame when I watch him it kind of seems like he's not in basketball shape yet and That's to be expected missing a whole year. Like, I want to say it was the Philly game where he just came out and he didn't miss a shot. And he he comes out and he just looks gassed by the second quarter. I don't know if it's him not being in, you know, peak physical shape because he didn't miss a whole year. But there there are turnovers that I can't defend, like you you guys were saying earlier. But he does kind of need that Batman or he needs to be he needs a Robin to his Batman. Like, you you can't really rely on a, a. I, I hate to like kind of throw slander at Killian Hayes. Like you can't really rely on him to be a consistent jump shooter when that's not really his game. I think he's a great defender, great passer, but there are times where, you know, Kate throws the ball to Killian and Killian just kind of holds onto it for like five to 10 seconds and the shot clock expires. Like Kate needs just a, a, a floor spacer. He needs a guy that can, you know, get to the basket. Maybe that's kill uh, Maybe that's Jaden Ivey. Maybe you start Alec Burks. I don't know. I, I just think they need to make a lineup change because we're giving up like, what, 120 points a game over the past couple of games. Like the defense just isn't there right now for me. All right, hold up on the lineup stuff because I want to get everybody's perspective yeah. on that in just a little bit. So Lance, I want to give you a chance to talk about Cade. Where are you at with his play? And you may have to talk the lineup stuff a little bit if you feel like this is really kind of hamstringing him. I think I saw a stat today. He's leading the NBA in minutes. I mean, there's like four Pistons players that are in the top 15 or something. So that might be why he's a little bit worn down as well. But Lance, where are you at with Cade? What have you seen? Is there anything that gives you a little bit worry? Kind of big picture. I think one thing that worries me is it seems like sometimes he doesn't trust his teammates on the outside. Like, you know, there might be a guy open on the weak side and he's not hitting them in the corner because they might not be comfortable just pulling up and just taking a shot when they get the ball. There seems to be a little, some trust issues with him there. And then I think more of it is 
just the spacing and the timing. I've noticed a few times where Duran will set a pick and then he'll roll to the hoop. They're only, they're so close to each other and Cade will try to force a pass. And I think Duran might be looking for the lob and he's throwing it low. I've seen that a few times where it seems like it's the wrong decision when he's trying to pass the ball because Duran can go up and get it. I know you don't want to throw a lob every time, but it just seems like the spacing when he drives, it just come, becomes too cluttered around the rim. And then I don't want to place too much blame on Cade because this is what you want to, you want your franchise guy to have high usage. And I'm okay with the turnovers suck. And some of them are hard to defend. Like Anthony said, but where I have more of an issue is, is just the coaching and who they're putting around Cade right now. And again, I get that there are health concerns right now. There are injuries, but there are some, I would like to see them be a little bit more creative with their lineups, with the players that they have. Just try something differently. I won't get too much into it because I know we'll talk about lineups later on in this podcast, but just, it's hard for me just to blame Cade when I feel like the coaching staff isn't doing enough for him to create space and create opportunities. So West drops in there. Kate is also leading the NBA in total miles traveled in games this season. And I mean, I know I put in my notes the last couple of games, I've had some questions about his defense, but I, I don't even know how much I can question it because you know he's just worn down. And on top of it, they're losing, which as we all know, that kind of brings down your morale as well. That brings down your energy as well. I think that plays into the defense when the offense isn't scoring. I think your defense is going to be affected by that. Yes, missed shots lead to transition, turnovers lead to transition, but just the energy level in general. Omari, I don't know where you, I think this team really needs a win. I, I, I realize that's oversimplified with the team that's like, they just really, really need a win right now because I'm a little nervous if they keep showing some good things, but losing, as Anthony said earlier, finding new ways to lose. It's almost like, dang, this is two years ago all over again. This is last year all over again. How important do you think it is for them to get a win here in the next couple of games just to feel some sort of positivity? They need a win. I mean, anytime you lose, you know, more than two two straight, you know, it gets to the point to where you got to lock down. And that's what the issue for them so far. You know, I think along with that, like we've seen, you know, some young teams in the past, it just takes a minute for them to get things going. I forget what Orlando started last season, but they got Mark Hill Foltz back and then they pretty much went 500 the rest of the way. And you could even see that type of disparity with the Pacers last year. And a couple of years ago, I know the uh, Pelicans were like the worst team in the West and then they kind of caught fire and got it going. So it's not, you know, like it's still early enough for the season where you have so much time in front of you that you can shake off a bat first three weeks, it's just with every passing week, I think the need to have some guys come back becomes more glaring. This week's a little bit easier. I mean, Atlanta's been good, but not as tough as some of the teams last week. Uh, you look at Cleveland, they've kind of gotten off to a slow start. Uh, Toronto hasn't been amazing, so they have some opportunities this week to make up for that, but probably, I, probably not until mid-December where I get to the point where I'm like, okay, like if this is to turn around immediately, like this season's probably tough. Anthony, do, do they get a win? Like that's what matters, I guess, is, you know, are they going to get one here in the next few games or do you think this is going to continue to be a struggle? I think Atlanta is a winnable game. I really do. I think I just saw the injury report. Trey Young might not play, which would be huge because the Atlanta Hawks aren't the same team when he's not playing. But I, I, I think they can get a win against Atlanta. To your point, yeah, they, they do need the win. Because I'm sure the morale in the locker room is very low because they come out with energy sometimes in the first, second, or have a good third quarter. And then something just happens where they don't miss shots. They're not defending. I've seen bits and pieces of them play both uh, both ways, like offensive and defensively. It's just they haven't put a full 48 minutes together yet this season. And I think... That's to be expected when you have a very young roster and a really young starting five. But I think Atlanta, to me, is a very winnable game. Lance, I mean, Rashad says it right here. My morale as a fan is low. I mean, again, Omari doesn't feel this the same way as us, but I know I'm struggling right now. How bad does the fan base need a win right now, Lance? And especially like... I feel like they need a win behind a big-time Cade Cunningham game or Jaden Ivey game or even if it's Jalen Duran or a, you know somebody like that. Like I'm not even sure it can be a, because it's Alec Burks goes for a weird 40-point game or something. How much does the fan base need a win right now, Lance? 
we need it badly. We need it real badly because there have been a few Pistons fans that I've interacted with that have said they're willing to jump ship and go to a different team. And <laughs> man, it's way too early in the season to be seeing tweets like that and to have conversations like that with people. Just, it will get better as the season goes on. But if we're looking at the next five, I think there's two winnable games, Atlanta and Toronto. That's what I think coming up in the next five games. And I think we'll see it. I really do. Whether it's Cade stepping up, I think he'll do his usual thing. You know, give us 24, 8, and 4. You know, do his thing like that. I think Killian Hayes, you know, he'll still be producing Asar Thompson. He's going to be playing with energy. Jaden Ivey will be coming back to form. And yeah, I do think there's going to be at least two wins in the next five games. I'm... As we're talking more about it, my uh, my level of optimism is going up for this team. And mainly because I just want to see it. You know, I want to see some wins. And I just want to have, you know, some good faith with it in these next five games. No doubt. And just to add to my point earlier, I just checked it. And Orlando did start 2-11 last year. And they actually started off 5-20 and overall. And then on December 7th, they reeled off a 1-2-3, a six-game winning streak and then won eight of nine. And then they finished the year with 34 wins. So it's still a good three weeks, right? You know, if you get healthier, I mean, we've seen teams in the past start off really bad and then some guys come back and they go on a run. So the Pistons could be last year's Orlando Magic, you know, if things kind of happen the same way. But again, you get to a certain point where you get deep enough in the season that you just kind of run out of time. So we'll have to see. This is why these podcasts are so healthy for all of us right now. And so we can talk through this, feel a little bit better about it. We got to go to short break. Anthony, did you have one more thing on this? Because after the break, I think we're going to switch into the lineups a little bit. So if everybody's good on that, we'll go lineups. We got to talk some Asar. We got to talk some Jalen Duran, the individual players as well. But I do think it's time to talk lineups, what we're seeing, what's working, what's not. What would we change if we were sitting in the chair? We'll get into all of that right after this short break. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back with segment two. And we're going to dive into some lineups here, which should be interesting because, of course, you know, I think Monty's been limited by injuries as far as some of the spacing combinations. But along with that, you know, there are steps that could be taken now to rectify that situation that have not happened. So let's start off with Anthony. I'm just curious, you know, what's your overall, you know, thoughts on the rotation so far? And if there's one thing you want to see change, what would that be? I thought for the first three games it was fine. But... I'd like to see more shooting at the shooting guard position. Whether you want to start Alec Burks, I thought he's played really good defense this year. Not a lot of people have been talking about it. And just having a vet that knows how to get to the line, can shoot a three-point shot at a really you know efficient rate, that's a player that I would look at. And I would just kind of keep Asar at small forward, you know, Stewart at the four and Dern at the five. But I mean, you you, you could go absolutely crazy. With, with, the, with the lineups. And I saw some fans say they want to put a star to two when Bojan comes back. It's just like, there's so many different options, but like, what, what do you think starting like a Alec Burks would really fix the spacing issues? Or do you guys believe that they should just kind of roll with Killian until, you know, maybe they think it's just not working anymore? Go ahead, Amari. Yeah, I was going to say, I think swapping, like let's say you swap Burks with Kill, it fixes the spacing. But then I kind of wonder if you give up anything as far as just like secondary playmaking. Like maybe they still blitz Kate, maybe he still turns the ball over here and there. But I think that's something that I just need to kind of see in action because you do give some things up. But then there's also a guy, Marcus Sasser, who may give you both. But, you know, Mati's, like mentioned, he gave him and Asar the day off Saturday because they're just, you know, they've never played this level of basketball before this many games and they're just kind of worn down. So they, he probably doesn't want to overwhelm Sasser too much. But if you keep losing games at some point, you have to say, okay, we have to roll the dice on spacing and stop relying on solely on defense or solely just on having additional playmaking next to Cade to relieve that, that pressure. 
Lance, what are your thoughts here? What, what, with, let's say with what they have right now, because I want to ask all of you based off what you've seen, what would you do when everybody is healthy? So let's save that. Just what's available right now, Lance, with Jaden Ivey back, with Alec Burks back, what would you do specifically around Cade and kind of maybe balance what we've seen out with lineup construction? I would, I'd make a change to the starting lineup with the current roster. I would start Isaiah Stewart at the five. I'd put a star at the four. And then I'd play, I'd have honestly start someone like Marcus Sasser or Alec Burks in the backcourt with Killian Hayes and Cade Cunningham because they're not going to take Killian Hayes out of the lineup anytime soon. I don't believe that they are. So I'm just going to stick with what Monty's doing, keep Cade and Killian in the backcourt and then either start Marcus Sasser or Alec Burks because they provide some spacing. They also provide another ball handler out there that can take pressure off of Cade Cunningham. And Marcus Sasser, he's a two-way guy. He can play. He has a little dog in him defensively. Burks hasn't been terrible defensively, so I don't think you're really going to miss. You know, you're still going to be able to play defense with him in the lineup. But then also starting Isaiah Stewart at the five provides you more spacing. Then you can still keep Marvin Bagley in his role off the bench and you can use less of James Wiseman, which I think is what a lot of fans want to see because he's just, I just don't think he's ready to have that large of an impact or to play that many minutes on this team yet, even though we have been bad. But those are some of the changes I've made. But if they're going to keep Isaiah Stewart and Marvin Bagley in the starting lineup, I wouldn't mind seeing Killian Hayes come off the bench because I think his ability to control the game and limit turnovers and control pace, that can be a good thing playing alongside Jaden Ivey where he can still continue to operate off the ball and Killian can look for him. And plus, if you bring Killian Hayes off the bench, you have another guy you can throw at some of the other star players when Asar comes out. You can throw another pretty good defender on the perimeter instead of starting both of them. But those are just some of the things I would do with this current group of players. And I just want to be clear here, because when you first said that we're, you're taking Jalen Duran out with the angle entry, like you would start yeah. Duran if he was healthy. Yeah, 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 yeah. If he's, yeah, but I don't know if he's playing tomorrow because I think it's still a game time decision. And I've already tweeted out, I'd rather rest him for a sure. few more games just so, you know, he can get that ankle healthy. I loved how he was playing at the beginning of the season. I think that injury has really hobbled him. So yeah, I'm talking about not with, I'm talking about if, as if Dern will miss the next couple of games. And let's stay on Dern just a little bit and we'll come back to the lineup stuff. Amari, any thoughts from you on Jalen Dern? Because Lance said it right there. I'm kind of with Lance in the sense of, I thought Jalen Dern, this is going to sound really bad. I hope the angle was bothering him because I was, I didn't think he looked very good, I guess is my point. So he needs to go get it healthy if that's what it was, because he was not getting in position. He was not playing as aggressive. He was not playing as hard, those type of things. So where are you at with Amari in terms of, is it just time to rest him for maybe seven days? Just let this thing fully heal up before they put him back on the floor? Yeah, just let him fully heal up at this point. You know, that early in the season, when it's getting to the point where his ankle is just visibly impacting his performance. And we saw the difference between his first three games and now. And honestly, even beyond the spacing, I think just Jalen Duran starting the season off so strong as a defender and then kind of falling off uh, could be the biggest factor in where they are right now just because they played with a different verve in those first three games and they just haven't had that since. So, you know, at this point, just shut him down and allow him to heal at his own pace. You know, I'm curious to see what Monty does rotationally to accommodate for that. You know, we've seen sprinkles of James Wiseman, but, you know, I don't think Monty's probably been too happy with what he's seen from him so far. And today he did note, well, I asked him, like, would we see Isaiah at the five a little bit more now that Knox is in? And he said, that's something that they're looking at in playing five out and whatnot. So I think during being out gives you an opportunity to experiment as well. You know, if Isaiah can keep knocking down threes at the five and, you know, he tends to hesitate shooting sometimes. But if you have fives closing out instead of fours, maybe you can get away with it. And, you know, maybe some things opened up. So, yeah, I say shut Duran down until he's healthy. You know, see what you have in Wiseman. And if you're not happy with that, then you can lean on Isaiah and Bagley until Duran gets back and probably be okay. Like, it's not going to be as good as just having Duran down there, but you could probably get away with some things. Anthony, where are you at on Jalen Duran? Just his play overall and then this ankle injury that seems to be a little bit nagging. I was kind of surprised that they brought him back. Like, to your guys' point, like, you know, the first three games, he just looked amazing. He's dunking everything, really active, blocking shots. But... You can definitely tell he, he's he's just playing through an injury right now. 
I, I agree with you, Bryce. They should just shut him down until he's 100% healthy. Like, I don't want him, if he's 60%, I'd rather him just be on the bench because it seems like it's always that right ankle. It was the right ankle last year, right up ankle this year. I don't know if it's from him wearing low tops or maybe he needs to take the Steph Curry approach and just wear those ankle braces because, like, that's your franchise center that you're trying to build around with Cade. Like I, I don't want him out there like 50 to 60% healthy. Like if he's not a hundred percent, then I would rather, you know, play Bagley and Stewart together because I think he can get away with it. I like James Wiseman. I just don't think he's there right now. To me, I would, I would throw Wiseman in the G like this to get some reps personally. That's just me. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do there. He's, he's getting some reps right now, but I think when everybody's healthy, he's going to be right back out of the rotation. I want to ask this and, and Lance, we'll start with you. Rashad says, can't play a SAR and Killian at the same time. And I'm choosing a SAR. He brings way more of other things than Killian. First, do you agree with that? Do you think that this is part of the quote unquote problem in terms of the spacing and all of that, that you essentially have two non-shooters in Asar and Killian, even though they do bring other things to the table? And would you prioritize Asar, you know, specifically for the starting lineup? Yeah, I mean, I think Asar would have an impact on the game, whether he starts or comes off the bench. I think he's going to continue to play with that type of energy and activity, no matter what, just doesn't seem like his feelings are going to get hurt whether he starts a game or, you know, comes off the bench. I don't think he really matters. I do think it's a problem. I'm, I mean, I think like every other Pistons fan, it is a problem when you have two non-shooters out there. But also what it also creates is if, you know, we've seen Asar make some pretty great cuts to the basket. When you don't have another shooter out there, he can't do those things. And I think that would help Kate out when you have a guy moving and cutting to the basket. But also, like I said, just a few minutes ago, if you can bring killing off the bench at that point guard position and have him and Jaden Ivy in the backcourt, you might be, you, it might even make the second unit better because you have a defender. You're taking less pressure off of killing Hayes to create some offense. Then you're putting a guy on him that can be fed the ball or play on it. In Jaden Ivy, it just seems like it's a better match with those two coming off the bench. And yeah, again, I, I mean, it's going to sound like we're just, you know, it's like an echo chamber in here. We just need more shooting in the starting lineup. And you get that without one of these guys in there. When you can put someone in like a Burks or a Morris or a Sasser or even a Jaden Ivy, you're going to get more scoring and more shooting with one of those guys. And yeah, that's just how I see it, man. It's start a star, bring killing off the bench because it's, it's not working having those two in the starting lineup right now. So Asar is 15% from three on two and a half attempts a game. Killian is 33% on 3.6 attempts per game. I think we would all agree that nobody's really respecting those guys as floor spacers. And even though Stu is shorting, shooting, excuse me, 44% on over four attempts. I mean, he has really shot the ball well through 11 games. I'm still not sure he's getting the respect. We've talked about this. It may take a whole season of Stu shooting this well, of Stu making some big moment shots for people to really respect it. So Amari, do you think this Killian Asar, even though each has played well in their own right, bringing different things, do you think it's just a situation where you have to prioritize one in the starting lineup? Probably so, you know, just because it's really hard to have to, you know, I don't want to call Killian a, a non-shooter because he can hit him, but, you know, I, I think Asar's probably got some work in front of him to be able to uh, get to that point. And, you know, I know Monty said the other day, you know, basically implied that when Bogey comes back, they'll have to reevaluate, you know, Asar's role, essentially. You know, he didn't mention Killian, and I know some fans didn't like that. But, you know, I think at this point, it's what do you prioritize? Uh, you know, do you prioritize having a good defender and that ball handling next to Cater? Do you prioritize having a pretty, you know, I think strong defender overall right now who could take maybe more of that defensive pressure off of K, but also you're giving up some playmaking, you're giving up, you know, maybe a little bit of shooting as well. You know, McKillian has it going, but you also gain some stuff as a weak side shot blocker and, you know, transition and whatnot. So it's just, you know, a lot of ways that I think you could argue it and a lot of ways that it could go. But I think thus far, you know, it's clear that, you know, if Bowie comes back, probably one of them will end up being forced out of the lineup. The other part of that too is that by starting Killian, you potentially open up more backcourt minutes for some of the other guys because obviously there's a lot back there. So that could be part of the thinking as well. So guys, I'm going to ask for your starting lineup if this team was fully healthy. I know this wasn't in the outline, so I'm kind of putting you guys on the spot, but I'm asking a different question. So everybody kind of has a chance to navigate that. So Anthony, I'm going to come to you because we've talked a little bit about Asar here. Just what are your thoughts on Asar Thompson individually? So you don't have to give your starting lineup yet, but if this team was fully healthy, 
Lance, Amari, Anthony, I want to know if the team was fully healthy tomorrow, based off what we've seen, who would you start if you were Monte Williams? But first, Anthony, I want to get your thoughts on Asar Thompson and just how he's played through 11 games in his rookie season. I knew he was good, but I didn't know he was this good. I didn't know like if the talent level at overtime elite was kind of like up to parts in the G League or, you know, the the other leagues like, you know, playing in college and stuff like that. But he's just completely shattered my expectations. I did not expect him to be crashing the glass the way he's crashing the glass. Like getting those rebounds, blocking shots, playing the passing lanes, defending the, some of the best players each and every night. Like that kid's an absolute stud. Like I, I'm happy that we got the better Thompson's win. Yeah, he's been incredible. Amari, Lance, either of you guys' thoughts on Asar? Lance, I want to get yours because we haven't got that. Me and Amari have obviously got to talk a lot about Asar. And then Amari, I'm going to come to you for the starting lineup. And if you're watching live, I know Chuck already dropped his starting lineup in the chat. You guys drop your starting lineups in the chat as well, and we'll put them up here on screen. We'll discuss those also. So Lance, thought on Asar Thompson's rookie season. And then Amari, I'm going to come to you with your starting lineup if this team was healthy. I mean, it's been an incredible rookie season and it kind of, it's going to be overshadowed by Victor Wembanyama and Chad Holdrum. You know, yeah. I mean, it really is just, it's nice to see like other non-Pistons accounts tweet about Asar Thompson and sh show highlights. And I think that's probably about as good as it's going to get because he's really not going to be in the rookie of the year conversation. We already all know that, but it's been a great rookie season. His defense to me is just so much fun to watch where I like, I would rather watch. I, I must just like, I get just as excited watching him play defense as I do any of the Pistons playing on offense. I just love his activity, you know, his reflexes, his head is always on a swivel. It's just so much fun to watch him defensively. And it's just, it's cool to watch him grow as a player that, and I just think it's going to continue to happen. Some things that I don't really like about his rookie year is just trying to force some of those shots when he tries to get to the hoop. I think those will be cleaned up a little bit. But overall, I've been very impressed with Asar Thompson in his rookie year because this is not a guy I wanted the Pistons to draft with the fifth pick. I had said it so much. I was a Jarese Walker fan over pretty much everybody, but I'm so glad they don't listen to our podcast and went with Asar Thompson. Well, listen, there was a whole bunch of guys in that range. We were a Cam Whitmore podcast, so we were even worse than than that, guys, because he did, he's in the G League right now and got drafted 20th overall, even though I still do believe in the actual talent. I think there was some incel stuff there that maybe we didn't know about. Anyway, Asar was the right pick at five. They got it right. He's been incredible. That's who we should focus on. And he may not win Rookie of the Year. He has a real chance to finish third, though. Like, he has a real chance to be the third best rookie behind those two and then obviously be on the all-rookie team. And he's been awesome. Like if this dude is legitimately top 10 in the NBA, the entire NBA for rebounds, not just wings or guards or rookies or whatever, there's going to be a lot of noise. So, oh yeah, we got the OG Omari Sankofa with his starting lineup before we get to Omari Sankofa the second. So he says, Cade Burke's livers, Stewart and Duran. So very interesting there from Mr. Sankofa. I want to come back to that after we get Omari Senko for the second starting lineup. Yeah, the liver starting hive seemed like it had a lot of momentum last year, and then it's kind of cool. So, you know, it's cool to kind of kick that one up. So thank you, Dad. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm just shocked that Asar has yet to grab fewer than seven rebounds in a game. And actually, like, coming into the season, I predicted that he would lead our rookies in rebounding just based on what we saw in preseason and summer league. But... He had 11 rebounds in like 10 minutes last night. He had nine in the first quarter. And he's just like, just <laughs> an absurdly, he's averaging a double-double with rebounds. He's just been absurdly productive as a rebounder. And for a guy who's 6'7 to do that, it's just like, it's, it's only so many guys that size who have been that type of rebounder. I know Monty mentioned Sean Marion uh, yesterday. And you think about guys like Gerald Wallace, but it's extremely rare. They combine that with his passing vision, some of the outlet passes he's thrown, you know, even in half-court situations as well, you know, just how good he's been around the rim. And really, his only true weakness right now is the shooting, and that's not an insignificant weakness, but he already has come in a really complete player, and it makes you wonder where he'll be in three years from now, even if he's a 34% outside shooter on decent volume, just how much does that open things up for him, especially if he tightens that handle as well. So, yeah, I mean, his first three weeks have been really, really good, and I mean, again, like what he's doing rebounding wise is just absolutely insane to me. 
I think what's crazy is just the workload he has taken in his young rookie season. And I think you mentioned it, Anthony, the matchups he's taking and the guys he's being successful. I think he blocked Damian Lillard one time. He blocked somebody else. You know, he's taking the stars night in and night out. And that's why as we get into this lineup discussion, it's interesting with some of them because as you transition to the shooting lineups, all of a sudden it's like, well, who's guarding the best players? And the answer in a lot of those lineups is Cade Cunningham. So while you make his offensive workload easier, you make his defensive workload harder. And we've taken enough time here. We're going to go to a short break. And after that short break, Amari, we're going to lead off with your starting lineup for the Detroit Pistons if they were fully healthy. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of... uh human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back with segment three, and we're going to get into our preferred starting lineups. And I will just lead off with mine. If I if I had to come up with a starting five, I would stick with Duran and Isaiah Stewart as a front court. I would go Bogey at the three, Cade at the one. And honestly, I think what we've seen so far this season, I would honestly start Burks at the two. You know, I think maybe you give up some of the ball handling that, you know, Kate needs next to him, but he's just shot the ball so well. He's been solid defensively. And he can move the ball too. Like, he's not necessarily a point guard, but he had four assists last night. He's always moved the ball pretty well. So I think, you know, with Burks and Boyan in that starting lineup, like, that's going to command a lot of attention from defenses and that should make Kate's life a lot easier. And then from there, you just basically hope that defensively you can still tread water, which if Durant's fully healthy, you know, Isaiah, like all those guys, well, except Bogey maybe, but in the past, he's been a good defender. So maybe in a better situation, we see that, you know, defensive sharpness come back. But I think it checks a lot of boxes and I think it would be pretty balanced on both ends of the floor. All right, Anthony, you're up. You can give some feedback to any of the lineups we've seen so far. I've starred some of the ones in the chat. So guys, we are going to come back to those. But I put Omari Sankofa up there. I put another one up there. And then obviously, Omari just gave his. So any thoughts on what we've seen or talked about thus far? And then give us what yours would be if this lineup was fully healthy. I think that you could come up with so many different lineups (laughs) and you can make an argument for each and every one. I'm a real sicko, though. So... (laughs) I would, probably, we like that. I would probably go gated point guard. I'm going to reward Asar just for playing so well. I want to put him at shooting guard. Okay. I really do. I like it. I'll put Boyan at small forward, Isaiah Stewart at power forward, and Jalen Dern at center because wow. I know some people that like, I want to put Boyan at power forward. I think rebounding wise, that would be terrible. And I think he would just get bullied down low. But I think if you put, you know, Asar next to Cade, you can kind of hide Boyan a little bit because they could just switch defensively. And I think you have the perimeter shooting with Boyan to alleviate Cade a little bit. Real quick, Anthony, do you think, though, that Asar and Duran, when he's healthy, are good enough rebounders to make up for Boyan at the four? I, I do. Because he, he, I think he's averaging, like, what, 10 rebounds right now? Yeah, and then, he's double digits yeah, right du- now. And you have Duran that's averaging 10 rebounds. And Stewart's a, a pretty good rebounder, but it starts out rebounding. I, I think just rebounding-wise, you know, controlling the glass, controlling the pace, having all three of those guys in the starting lineup, me personally, I think should be, it's essential. Like, if you want to control the pace. I don't know. I, I think Asar at the two just makes so much sense. And you have some people that agree. Derek Brooks here, he has Boyan at the two and Asar at the three. I think that speaks to just kind of Asar's versatility. He says the same thing. And then Josh Forbes says, Kate, Asar, Bogey, Stu, and Duran. So you have some people in the chat agreeing with you, Anthony. Lance, I love the little smile you got going over there. You can see it through that big, luscious beard. What are your thoughts on what's been thrown out so far? And then what is your starting lineup? And Wes, if you didn't just drop it in the... Okay, thank you. You just dropped it in the private chat. Thank you. So Lance, you're up. Yeah, I I think what Anthony said, you can get real creative with some of these lineups, especially when everybody is healthy. 
I love that people want to still start livers. I, I mean, I, you know, everybody knows, if you know me, you know, I love Isaiah livers. So it's really cool that there are other fans that love Isaiah livers and want to see him here in Detroit. I have different thoughts on it though because of all the injuries. But anyways, not going to get into that. I just love the different lineup combinations. I kind of felt like Cade and Asar in the backcourt was pretty predictable by most people. My starting lineup would be Cade. I really want to throw Marcus Sasser in there just because he will get it all. He will get after it defensively. He can hit the outside shot. And I think he probably, I think he has the tightest handle on the Detroit Pistons. And I think last game, he only had like one or two turnovers with, I think he played close to 30 minutes. But anyways, I'd go Cade and Sasser in the backcourt. And part of that is because I don't think Sasser and Jaden Ivey would be a real good combination off the bench. I would still go Asar at the three. I'd go Bojan at the four just because really all I need him to do defensively is just funnel people into Jalen Duran. It's not going to like, it can't, he can play defense. He was pretty good in Utah for the most part. And last year he had 18 games where he had five to nine rebounds. But again, with Asar and Duran healthy, I don't need him to rebound the ball. They got it. And plus, I think if you bring Stewart off the bench, again, you're still limiting the minutes of Marvin Bagley and James Wiseman. Even though Bagley has been playing pretty well, I think I would rather go two guys that can play defense at that five spot and hold it down and just have everybody else funnel them in. So that would be my starting lineup, Cade, Sasser, Asar, Bojan, and Duran, just because I think it gives you a good combination of ball handling, defense, outside shooting, and rebounding, all the ingredients you need to be kind of successful in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, I like the idea of putting Sasser in there. He's played really well. We've seen him kind of microwave score. Defensively, he's a little bit smaller. He's got some things to learn, but he's very active, has great hands. And I do, as much as I like Stu, this is a very pro Isaiah Stewart podcast with Omari and I. I think we both like his game. We're both big believers. I don't want to put words in Amari's mouth. I know for me, though, I still think he's probably best as a third big where you can bring him in at the four or the five, depending on the matchup. And that's just a little bit easier to do if he's coming off the bench to start. So I'm going to give mine real quick. I'm going back to what I said in the preseason. I would still go Cade, Ivy, Asar, Boyan and Jalen Duran, And that's because I believe in Jaden Ivey playing off the ball. Asar has been so good defensively. He can take, you know, those primary matchups. It's still putting a little pressure on Ivy to guard Duran there to protect the rim. You've talked about the rebounding Lance. Amari, I want to ask you about Sasser just a little bit in terms of how he has played. And we will get to some of the other lineups in a second. We're going to come back to Isaiah Livers because I believe our man Wes dropped an Isaiah Livers in his starting lineup. But just Marcus Sasser, Amari, how good has he been where some Pistons fans didn't like that selection either? While some critiqued the Sar Thompson selection, and some people didn't like the Pistons trading up back into the first round to take this quote-unquote smaller guard. And, those, and he's been pretty good so far. Yeah, I mean, I like the Sasser pick. I always think about Desmond Bain, who kind of fell in the 2020 draft because he was, I mean, he was a dead-eye shooter in college, good playmaker, good defender. You know, the teams just didn't like his age. He was like 22 or 23, I think, and guys tend to get knocked for that. But you just saw what Sasser did defensively, and he was one of the best shooters in college. So, you know, I thought it made sense from that standpoint of just taking the best player available there. But, I mean, 11 games in, he's shooting 49.4% overall. And that actually came down yesterday. He was above 50% pretty much all season before that. Uh, 43% from three. Uh, I think Lance said it earlier. He's probably the the best ball handler on this team, and we've seen that. And we've seen how he can heat up, too. I mean, you know, he did it in the summer league. You know, he's done it in preseason, and then, I mean, he's had a couple of games this season where he just catches fire and he's one of those guys that can swing a game. So, I mean, he's he's been really good. And I really do think if you're just looking for the perfect mix of skills to put next to Cade in that backcourt, you want what, what Sasser has done, basically. You want somebody who's a dead-eye shooter, could get their own shot. He's taking care of the ball, like, really. I think he only had two turnovers up to, like, a couple of games ago, like a 9-1 assist to, to turnover ratio. And then he can defend as well, so that really checks a lot of boxes for you. And when you have a rookie that, that age, you expect him to be a little bit ahead of the curve, and he's absolutely been that. What's crazy, guys, is Killian's averaging less than a turnover per game. Burks, if these stats are right, isn't averaging any turnovers, and Sasser's under one turnover per game 
this is, I, I screenshotted this off basketball reference. The guys that are really, obviously, Cade's turning it over, Asar's over two, Stewart's over two, Duran's over two. You're getting 5.2 turnovers from Stu and Duran is really where a lot of the turnovers are coming from. Some of these guards are actually handling the ball really well. Anthony, what have you thought about Marcus Sasser's play all around and kind of where that fits into the rotation and those type of things? I was kind of surprised when I looked at his age because we had a, a topic about like Brian Windhorst saying he's the second best guard on the Pistons. But I've just been really impressed with him. Like there's so much of his game where I look at, I kind of see Terry Rozier, a little bit of Tyrese Maxey. Like he can kind of just do it all. But starting him, I, I think to Lance's point, that's a, like I said, it's a good option. I, I just like him as a player and he, he's just a, instant impact player. And I don't think the Pistons have really had that like crafting in the first round. Like usually it's just project players. Maybe we'll see what they have in two to three years, but he's just ready to go and contribute right away. And I love that. Yeah, he's been really good. Okay, let's go to some of these other lineups. So from Chuck Brewer, let's let's get some Jaden Ivey lineups. He says Cade Ivy Asar Boyan Duran. Aruna here says Cade Ivy or Killian Asar Boyan Endurance. So same thing. He says, I'll defer to Monty on Ivy versus Killian. So let's settle in right there. Lance, Jaden Ivy versus Killian Hayes. If that's where you're going, Siren also says, Cade Ivy, Asar Boyan Endurance. Where are you at with Jaden Ivy? I guess we don't have to turn it into an Ivy versus Killian thing. Where are you at with Jaden Ivy? Kind of how this thing is going. We haven't got your guys' perspective on how Monty has kind of handled Jaden Ivy in his second season. I try not to be too disappointed in it because I know the offense is going to be there and he is my preferred choice over Killian Hayes. But I understand. I mean, I guess I don't fully understand because he is shooting 38% from three, 49% from the field. Those percentages dropped because he only played 11 minutes in his last game. I believe he was at 41% before their last game against the Chicago Bulls. But anyways defensively, I have not been impressed with Jaden Ivey. I feel like he's playing too much from behind. Like, he has all the athletic tools to be, I think, damn near an elite two-way player if he wants to be. It's just, I think he's gotten away playing defense the way he has his entire career. It just seems like a guy makes a move, they blow by him, then he's like, okay, I can just recover because he does have the athletic tools to do that. So on that aspect, he's just not there defensively for me. So I understand why he's coming off the bench. But also on the same breath, I mean, Killing Hayes, I still think his defense is a little overrated, especially in terms of one-on-one. And I went back and looked at some of these matchups. And in a couple of these games, he's playing big minutes against like Herb Jones and, man, I'm trying to think of some of the other games, some other non-offensive players for other teams where, you know, it seems like they're almost hiding Killian a little bit defensively. And I feel like, when it comes to Monty, there's he's for some reason focusing more on Jaden Ivey and there's putting more pressure on him, maybe because he sees that the ceiling is so high and he wants the best out of him. But when it comes down to it, I guess to answer your original question, I'm a Jaden Ivey fan and that's the route I'd rather see them go because in today's NBA, yeah, you can get a few stops, but it's really all about putting the ball in the hole. And that's what Jaden Ivey's good at. He's a scorer. And that's what we need. We need some offense with this, with this team. We need him to play more than 20 minutes per game. And I can, I can live with him playing defense the way he has because the effort has been there. It's just a few things need to be cleaned up on that end. That's all. I will agree with you, Lance. I do think Killian's overall defense has started to get a little overrated and specifically to the on ball. I actually text West today because Killian let Patrick Williams just like essentially jab step him and blow by to the baseline, forcing help and giving up a wide open three on the weak side. And I'm elite defenders, great defenders, like people sometimes talk about with Killian. That's not what they do. I'm not saying he's a bad defender. This isn't Killian hate. I'm just saying, I think it's gone a little bit too far with how good he is on the defensive end. I think he's a good defender. I don't think he's a great defender. Anthony, what have been your thoughts on Jay Nivey, kind of how this has been handled with this emphasis for him on you got to play defense or you're not going to get the minutes? I get it from Monty's perspective to kind of piggy uh, back off the of Lance. Like he has probably a higher ceiling. I think we can all agree than Killian Hayes. But my biggest issue with it is the message isn't, isn't consistent. It, it seems like it's really directed towards Jaden Ivey. Like there have been plays where Isaiah Stewart's just not yep. giving effort out there. There's there's plays where Kate Cunningham just takes a play off defensively. Like 
if the message was, I want you guys to defend, then rip those players out the same way you're ripping out Jaden Ivey. It just kind of seems like it's directed towards him. But I think ultimately he will be the starting shooting guard. I just don't know if it's going to be this year. He might have to just play off the bench this year until they put him in the starting lineup, maybe in the future. I mean, Shaden Sharp came off the bench for the Blazers for a full year. Same with Benedict Matherin. Maybe they just want to get all the bad habits that he was doing last year under Dwayne Casey because it seemed like Casey just let those guys play and, you know, they didn't get, you know, called out if they made a defensive assignment they didn't they, they didn't cover. No, I, I agree with you. And like I said, what's hard is we saw him play so many minutes and at times successfully last year. And then now in his second year, it's like we're almost having to revert back. Amari, I want to start with, this is an interesting question from Dre Chili. So who is the team's second best perimeter defender then? And I'll start off with my answer. It still is probably Killian Hayes. That doesn't mean he's a great defender. Asar Thompson is a great perimeter defender. And then there is a gap before the next guy, which is probably Killian. And then there's honestly probably another gap before you get to anybody else. And so I'm again, it wasn't supposed to be hate towards Killian. Like he's not a good defender. I just think when people say great, or I've seen people say elite, I don't necessarily see that with him. Amari, who do you think is the team's second best perimeter defender? Yeah, and I agree with that. I mean, Drew Holiday is an elite defender, right? You know, and the vast majority of guys are not going to be on his level. But, you know, I think Killian, you know, like, maybe the consistency isn't quite where you want it. But, you know, I think he could definitely compete on that end. You see, you know, the highlights and with his size and wingspan, he can match up, I think, on switches. So, you know, I would say I would say Killian's probably the second best. But we've seen good moments from Sasser, too. And maybe, you know, just we need more of a sample size from him. And we've also seen some good moments from Isaiah on switches, although that's a little bit more matchup dependent as well. So, you know, those guys probably deserve shout outs. But I would say Killian for sure. And I think a big reason why Killian's been starting is because when you look at that backcourt, you know, he's arguably the best defender back there. You know, Cade has good moments too, but he's just taxed with doing so much. And I think that kind of separates Killian. Wes said it honestly might be Isaiah Stewart as well. I mean, I think Isaiah Stewart is pretty close after Asar here, Killian here, and then Stu's probably in the conversation if we went to number three. Or I don't know, Anthony, maybe you have somebody else at number two. I I assume for all of us, Asar is number one. I don't know that there's a conversation there, but is Killian number two for you as well or is it somebody else? Yeah, I would say Killian's probably the second best perimeter defender. I, I don't think any of us are questioning his defense. I don't think anyone on here is questioning his defense. It's just the other side of the ball that we question. Yeah, no, this he's a very positive defender. But if you're going to be what he has been offensively a lot of his career, you have to be elite defensively. And I think that's where the conversation starts to happen is, well, he's an elite defender, so it's okay that his offense is a little bit behind. It's like, nah, he may not be an elite defender. Lance, where are you at with who in terms of who's the second best perimeter defender on this team? Oh, Joe Harris, easily. Beef turkey. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think, no, I still think it's Killian Hayes. I mean, I think Marcus Sasser is right. I think he's close to it. I mean, Killian Hayes, I will say the thing that, I'm impressed with Killian's defense is maybe not necessarily the one-on-one stuff. He's pretty good at not drawing a lot of fouls. I mean, the last three games, he's only had one per game. And when I'm looking back at some of this matchup stuff, he does not have very many games where he has plenty of shooting fouls. There's only one so far that I'm seeing where he's had two and it was on Gordon Hayward and he defended him for two minutes. But I think where his defense comes from is communication and denying people the ball. It seems like... Again, I'm looking at some of this matchups, matchups that he's had in terms of one-on-one. And some of these shooters, it doesn't seem like they've been getting a lot of shots off on him. And I don't know whether that's because he's been denying them getting the ball and playing defense that way. That's where I think his bread and butter is. But when it, but when I was getting at is when it comes to just the one-on-one stuff, I just think it's a little overrated by him. I still think he's a good defender. I just, think as well when he's out on the floor so much he gets he gets more exposed but I also think and I, this is a, I'm going to end it on a positive note I think defensively we've seen over his four years in the NBA he can be pretty versatile defensively because I think it was last year or two years ago when he was defending Evan Mobley in the post where it's like man he's a 6'4 6'5 guard and he can actually get down there and he has the size and the strength to make it uncomfortable for guys and that's where I really think Killian's game is potentially going to go being kind of like that Swiss army, kind of like a Bruce 
Brown role that he was in Denver, where he can do just a little bit of everything for you defensively. No, I, you I agree 100%, Lance. I think the off-the-ball defense is very fair to think it's really, really good and really impactful. And I agree with something you said earlier as well. Is that's kind of why I want to move him to the second unit is to help the second unit be better defensively. That's where I think the balance actually makes sense, starting whether it's Burks, Ivy, Sasser. I know somebody brought up Monte Morris. I don't care who it is, but the balance just seems to make more sense. All right, we're going to get out of here on this. I'm going to read off a few stats here, guys. Amari, I'll come to you first. Whatever your biggest takeaway is from these numbers that I give you, these are all team numbers. The Pistons right now are 23rd in strength of schedule, 20th in offensive rating, 22nd in defensive rating, 19th in pace, 24th in free throw rate, 29th in three-point rate, 29th in turnover percentage, but 7th in offensive rebound percentage. And then on the defensive end, they're 29th in forcing turnover percentage and 30th in defensive giving up free throw attempts per field goal attempt. Is there anything that really stands out to you from those numbers that you think are going to improve, that aren't going to hold, whatever it is? I mean... That they lack discipline. Uh, but you mentioned the turnover rates and uh, just how much they put teams on the line. And yeah, I think we just got to do that from watching them, that they've taken themselves out of games with those mistakes. And they've gotten some tough whistles too. Like, I'm not going to ignore that. But I think a lot of it's been self-inflicted. The other thing I hear is that they are slightly below average. And when they get some guys back, I'll probably take them closer to average because they're not... The advanced metrics do not paint the picture of the worst team in the NBA. They paint the picture of a team that's like, the A for knife worse, which is a pretty big difference. You know, like it's still not where you want to be, but it's a pretty big difference. And when you look at the advanced stats, it's like, this is this should be more like a four or five win team. This doesn't seem like a, a two win team. So, you know, I know they've kind of embraced the mindset of, you know, obviously establishing those good habits and, you know, competing and whatnot. But, you know, some of that stuff will self-correct itself once you add guys like Bogey, add guys like Monte back who can, like Monte alone, I think will just help the turnovers a lot. Just him being a veteran safety blanket who could also shoot and some of that stuff will be eased. So they just seem like a young and disciplined team that is waiting for some guys back. And, you know, even though a lot of the losses have been really ugly, you know, I think the advanced stats kind of show the reality, which is that this is just a team that has just had some bad luck. And, you know, once things stabilize, they'll be a little bit better. That, that's as I was reading it, I was going, this team's two and nine, but they're yeah. 20th and 22nd and 19th. Now you get to the, some of the other stuff and it's like, okay, this is the stuff where they're last. And that's probably why they are two and nine. But it was like, man, it, this seems like a team that should win a few more games. Anthony, any takeaways from those numbers or you don't have to stick to just to those, but you know, just in general. I think the turnover one is probably the one where I, I'm I really hyper focused on when you were saying it seems like every night I look at the box score, they have 15 to 17 turnovers every night. And I feel like if you just kind of, maybe you're like a 10 turnover a game team, they probably have more than ten, uh, two wins right now. Maybe they have three or four. Because there are some games in there where they get close, but they just keep making like really bad mistakes. Like the Blazers game is the first game that comes to mind. In the third, fourth quarter, they just kept turning it over, turning it over, turning it over. I mean, if they can clean that up, and I think Monte Morris will clean up a lot of those, they could possibly be like maybe a 500 team when these vets do come back. Darius, thank you. He says, first time finally catching y'all live. Appreciate that. Make sure you also go check out Pistons Talk over on their YouTube channel as well. And over at the Detroit Bad Boys YouTube channel. Lots of really good Pistons content creators <laughs> out here. For a 2-19, and 19, we got the best Pistons podcast content creation <laughs> in the NBA. Lance, you get the final word here before we kind of break this thing up. What of any takeaways you have from those stats, or you can make up any other one you want or use any, I can't make one up, but you can use any other one you want if you have one yourself. I'm just looking at it and I'm, I'm kind of, I'm disappointed in the free throw attempts uh, per game that they're getting, but also how much they're giving up. I think those five, that, those two things will be cleaned up now that Alex Burke is back. I mean, he's a free throw merchant. <laughs> Weren't the Pistons like top five and I think in yeah. free throw attempts per game because of him last year. So and not just because of him, but you know what I mean? Yep. And then, yeah, I, they're just giving up a lot of free throws. That's the disappointing thing. But I, again, I feel like a lot of those fouls that they're getting called for now will be cleaned up as this team just matures and grows. The turnovers, again, one of those things, it's, 
sucks that it's so low and they're so bad at turning the ball over. But again, once this team gets healthy, I expect it to clean up. I'm actually surprised that we're still 20th and 22nd. I'm glad to see that. It seems like they've made improvements since last year. And I think those two stats, again, I think those will get better as well as the season progresses once this team gets healthy. Those things are going to be cleaned up a little bit. But other than that, I'm really not surprised by those numbers. All right, guys, this was a blast. Therapeutic for all of us. Hopefully therapeutic for the fan base and everybody listening in. Anthony, let everybody know where they can find you, where they can find the pod, the YouTube, all of that. We'll let you do that. Lance will give you your voice as well before Amari closes it out. So you can follow us on all social media platforms at Pistons Talk. As for the podcast, I know Lance does handle the podcast. I'll let him tell the people where they can find the podcast and support it. All right. Yeah. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Lance Caprosi. I still call it Twitter. Follow me at Lance Caprosi. So do we. So do we. Yeah. <laughs> on Twitter. <Still> Twitter. <laughs> and you can find the Pistons Talk podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you guys listen to podcasts. Do us a favor and subscribe after you subscribe. Leave a review, drop a rating. But more importantly, tell a Pistons fan for us. Thank you guys again. Omari, take it away, my guy. No, yeah. Always fun talking Pistons with Pistons Talk. So big thanks to to you guys for joining us today. And also big thanks to IO producer Robin Chan, our editor-in-chief, Nicole Avery Nichols, our executive producer, Arsenet Delgado, and our sports editor, Kirkland Crawford. Also big shout out to Wes, and we will talk to you all next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.